0: This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. In a recent episode, I talked to Mark Crowley about the great re-entry as many offices start to reopen and bring employees back. We talked mostly about how managers should approach in-office work and potential pushback from their employees. He had a lot of great points, so go back and listen to that episode after this one if you haven't already. But while we've covered a lot of the aspects of remote and hybrid work, we haven't talked about what the physical space of the office should look like. We all know by now that leaders won't lure anyone back to the office as it was in 2019. Our expectations of work have totally changed in the last years, and so too should the office. It's easy to make a list of what we hated about the office. Long commutes, lack of natural light, no privacy, inability to focus in open office layouts. But now, as we have the opportunity to rethink everything about the way we used to work, many are also rethinking what the office should look like. How to fix what was broken and unpleasant about the office before the pandemic, and how our expectations on what work should look like have changed over the last two years. Joining me to discuss what the office of the future should look like is Nena Martin. Nena is the global technology leader and director of workplace for the design and architecture firm Gensler. She has extensive experience in commercial architecture interiors of all types. She's worked with clients including Apple, Google, Facebook, and many more in the process of creating their new headquarters and corporate campuses. Nana, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure.
0: So we wrote recently about a trend of designing offices to feel more like home, like common spaces that look like living rooms. Is that what people want? And how should we be thinking about redesigning the physical space of the office for employees who've been working from home for the last two years?
1: Sure. So, you know, the pandemic has um, really given us a lot to think about and different experiences and You know, working from home for the last two years has um, certainly brought in uh, a different way of looking at the way we produce or we do work. And uh, being at home, we've created environments where we're uh, very productive. We've also created a sense of flexibility. If you want to go for a walk, if you want to take your dog for a run or somebody's delivering something at the house, um, and at the same time, if you want to work in your kitchen or in your couch, uh, a different room in the house, or even sit in the backyard outside and be able to focus on work, uh, we have certainly been able to do that. And we know from the data that we have uh, gathered, uh, whether it's uh, the research uh, team here at Gensler or uh, other companies have done extensive research just in the last year, folks have become very comfortable with working from home and uh, being able to produce uh, at a high quality and focus. And so um, as we start to ask people to return to work and many of our clients, you know, are looking uh, to return to the office, especially the big tech, you know, they were the first ones that came out of the gates and said, no, we're not going back to the office just yet, you know, and it all depended on what was happening with the variants. But now that we see the light at the end of the tunnel, many companies are struggling trying to figure out what can be done in the office space to make it more attractive, to make it comfortable. And, you know, as designers and architects, we realize that we need to create environments that have that sense that a little bit of the home space, that comfort. Uh, We need to create spaces that have flexibility and variety. And so that means it can't just be a typical workstation with your computer and your screens, and and that's it. We've got to be able to provide spaces that simulate the house, you know, and create a variety of uh, work styles and work settings. So if you're somebody who's doing uh, maybe a collaborative meeting with somebody else, create a huddle room that is comfortable. Maybe you have a couple of couches or chairs, soft seating, Um, that can uh, provide that and if not you know maybe it's in a a cafe bar of your office space so for designers we've got to think about how to create these dynamic spaces that will create that flexibility the biggest questions i get asked all the time uh, from existing clients and new clients is how do we attract our employees how do we make them return to the office and while there's not a one-size-fits-all type of answer, it's really about what are you trying to get out of your culture, and what are the things that are going to bring people back. And you know, we think that the workspace is really becoming—it's it, really more about the destination. What is the purpose of you coming into the office? Is it a couple of meetings with different people? Is it to collaborate? Is it a uh, learning session, or is it a mentoring session? And so, really. You know, we need to make spaces, the workspace, be dynamic enough and provide that sense of comfort that the home provided.
0: And that was actually something I wanted to ask you about. Are there certain workplace amenities, you know, the the cliche from you know, what, 15, 20 years ago is the ping pong table and that sort of, and like unlimited snacks and those sorts of things. Are there new kind of workplace amenities that you're hearing that employees want or that employers are trying to offer to get, you know, to entice people back? I and mean, like one thing you mentioned is like more comfort that you have at home. There's also a lot of more natural light at home and room to move and, and privacy. Are there workplace amenities like that that you're seeing people
1: wanting now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What we're seeing is, uh, you know, folks want to feel as if they're in a sunroom in their home. So when we're designing spaces, we're creating environments that have biophilic elements. And that means, you know, whether it's planting or it's uh, smaller trees inside the, the, the office space and adjacent to a window so that it feels like you're at home and uh, people are asking for access to natural light. So the days of, you know, the darker internal meeting rooms, conference rooms, work rooms are really a thing of the past. People really want to be, uh, have access to daylighting. But also uh, what we're seeing is is this desire to be in an environment that's more emulating uh, a hospitality setting or a hotel setting, more like a uh hotel concierge where you come in and you're greeted and there's comfortable seating as well as uh, access to to food. And maybe you're coming in a certain day uh, to the office, you're meeting with a colleague, you're having a cup of coffee, you're sitting down at the bar, having a conversation. And maybe the next uh, half hour, it's really about, you know, focus work. Maybe you're uh, answering some emails. So you're going into a different location to have some more hands down, you know, focus work For that 30 minutes and then the next meeting begins and maybe it's a the team of six or or four where you're now collaborating and you're brainstorming and so it really comes down to the type of work that the company is doing but it's really creating a sense of flexibility i go back to that flexibility the office space has to be able to perform and provide a variety of settings uh, for folks to be, you know, maximize their day, because they can easily go back to the house and, and do quiet work. But it's really creating that comfort level. And, you know, it is that hospitality feel, maybe it's a cafe feel, uh, maybe it's a, a sunroom feel. So it's, it's, it's creating these, these types of dynamic spaces that's uh, critical.
0: So as you're you're talking about all of these different kinds of ways that the office can look, I I know that you have some thoughts about pilot testing, like different space uh, configurations. Like how how would that work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we have started to do since um, actually the beginning of the pandemic, we started to collaborate with different clients. And the first thing they were saying is, you know, how do we figure out what people want? And so we brought on our strategist team. And uh, they're really focused on getting feedback, asking the right questions to the workforce and being able to assess, you know, this is more important. People really want to have more open seating or more collaboration spaces. And so it's really about assessing what that culture needs, that company's culture needs, and then summarizing that and then putting that to the design Test, if you will, where we're starting to lay out spaces. And so right now we've got one of the clients we're working with; they had not renovated their office in twenty years. And so uh, we came back and said, "Okay, let's do a strategy process to really assess what is the most important thing." And then we started to create different archetypes or different space types. So it was the hybrid, it was the collab, and then it was the the workspace or the workroom. And so we started to create the toolkit or the, the space kits of what that entailed and started to combine it all into one floor plan and looking at it three-dimensionally, getting their feedback um, as we navigate through this process and then created the pilots. So this is the one thing that we're seeing across the board for many tech companies, especially is that they're using, you know, a corner of a building, maybe it's a 20,000 square foot area, maybe it's a 30,000 square foot area. And so we're doing that for this particular client where we're creating the space, we're putting different types of furniture solutions, and employees, different departments are testing out those areas. We've got a QR code, which is you know the thing that we have adopted here in the U.S. since the pandemic. Uh, other countries have been using it for uh, longer than we have. And so you get real-time feedback on how that's working. And so they're testing it out. There may be one or two months they're using this uh, space and they give feedback and then they bring in another department or another team. Uh, Now we're seeing one of the things we've learned recently is that some of the larger tech companies are piloting an entire building and maybe, you know, much larger spaces. And they're saying, hey, let's not just do one or two months. Let's actually have six months to a year and really get some feedback. And what's fascinating is is the approach that those companies are taking and saying, don't look at it as a short-term solution. Um, so it's it's creating certain guidelines and policies on how you approach that experience, which is really fascinating. We I mean, you know, twenty years ago, we never saw this sort of testing happening, but now it's really, unveiling what people are thinking and how they're interacting with the space and uh, being able to create different work types and work environments and testing it out and see what's going to work and what's not going to work.
0: Yeah, this feels really different and and more democratic from the way the offices were pre-pandemic. I mean, we wrote extensively about how much people hated open offices. And it was kind of just like, we're stuck with it. Everybody universally, almost, you know, seems to dislike it. But this is the way it is. And it sounds like now some employers are thinking more holistically and, and democratically about how to incorporate employees in the way that the office is designed. Do you think the open office is dead and the whole like dichotomy of the of the C suite having private offices and the rest of the employees having an open office space is that gone? And is there a new kind of template that is more collaborative? So I
1: think the open Office is still very valid and relevant, but it's with a twist. And so what we're seeing is, um, and what we're doing actually with some of our clients is designing spaces that in, instead of having a big open area and just you know, putting a lot of benching or workstations in one open area, we're creating different neighborhoods. And because the, the open office in the past, there was so much struggle with acoustics, even the brightness, you know, and disruption. Now we're seeing a more careful approach to designing those types of spaces. So where Instead of having, you know, three or five clusters of eight rows of workstations, you're now creating maybe a neighborhood of maybe 12 workstations. And they're isolated by different meeting areas or maybe by different screens that are Um, They have acoustical elements. And so acoustics is front and center. There is not a project now that we're starting at Gensler where where we don't have an acoustical engineer on board because that is so important. And I think we've heard enough from people saying it's so disruptive.
0: This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely
1: on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. The other thing is, lighting, and it's not lighting as we used to know it, you know, where you had your, well, in the past it was fluorescent, and then we now, you know, moved on to LED lighting, but it's now really becoming, and I think this is the influence from home, more um, uh, task lighting, you know, at your desk and different lighting uh, color, you know, the the Calvins instead of being the really bright white fluorescent sort of look, it's that warmer, cozier, homier sort of uh, look. Uh, where people have the flexibility to turn it on and off, and rather than just having this, you know, big open environment that's really bright, and, and you know a lot of people suffer from migraines, um, so it's creating sort of a smaller, more cosier environment that people feel more empowered to modify as well. You know, turning it on and off, and I'm going to pull this chair over here, so there's that sense of customization that's also happening. And I think, you know, the days of the big open areas, unless you're a call center, I think it's changing, it's evolving. And I think it has to do with that social need and the sense of equity as well. And it's becoming this sort of human-centric approach. It's about their experience that they're having in the office space that really needs to be dynamic, you know? Otherwise people are going to say, well, you know, I don't want to come into the office. And, And some of the challenges are, How do you learn a culture if you're a brand new employee that's coming on board? How do you assess and how do you even move up the ladder? Those are some of the challenges that we're seeing. And so creating that that hybrid where you're in the office, maybe three days out of the week and the other two are focus work, or maybe you come in four days out of the week, but you come in at, you know, you avoid traffic, you come in around 10 o'clock, you have your sets of, you know, different meetings with different people. And then you leave earlier and avoid uh, traffic again. And it's that sense of, I am in control of my day. And this is what's working for me. You know, it comes into play this sense of wellness as well. We've been in 12 Zoom meeting calls and people continue to work into the late hours. And that has created a sense of anxiety that we see from folks. And that's across the board. Um, And so, how do you create you know, being self-reliant and, and customizing your day to fit your needs. Um, we're seeing more of that.
0: Yeah. It, it does sound like, you know, like you said, a more humanistic approach and also wellness focused and, and really, you know, in the same way that, you know, you mentioned hybrid schedules give you control over your, your, workday in your life, it sounds like the way that that a lot of people are thinking of redesigning the office is also giving employees a little bit more control over their work environment, too. As we're talking about hybrid, that seems to be the way that most companies are moving. And, and hybrid work obviously means different things at different companies, you know, like as you touched on. A lot of places, I think, are having like some universal in-office days. Some are, you know, doing, as you mentioned, like staggering the hours or alternating days. And then, you know, for a lot of companies, there are employees that are going to be completely remote. So regardless of, of kind of how the company does hybrid work, there's usually probably going to be remote people within meetings. And that's always been a huge, huge pain point for remote employees pre-pandemic is in most places, it was just an awful setup. As you mentioned, like acoustics, you couldn't see, you couldn't hear, you you were maybe this like disembodied voice on a speakerphone and you were very much not part of the the conversation. Have you seen... Any tech solutions that kind of solve for that and make meetings more democratic for the people who are, who are not there?
1: Yes, we're seeing an evolution with technology definitely changing. But, you know, for any type of hybrid meeting or conference, it's really important to set certain policies. And, you know, it comes down to the person leading the, the meeting. Is there a certain expectation from folks are they on camera, are they to be on camera? Because that's the other thing is that if somebody is not showing their face, there's no movement, you know, it's, it's uh, out of sight, out of mind, right? And you tend to forget about those folks. And so it has to be a partnership between technology, having the right size of screens in the room, you know, where you have the content in one screen and you have the people on the other. It also has to do with expectations But at the same time, it's what people are willing to do. And I think depending on the type of meeting, again, they have to have flexibility because if the person's always hybrid, let's say they work in Boise, Idaho and the meeting, you know, the company's out of New York or out of DC or anywhere else, it's setting a certain expectation with those folks. And it has been a challenge, I'll tell you, with technology. We see technology vary from one company to another. And I think it's important for those companies to really uh, spend the right amount of capital to improve those meetings. So it is equitable when they're in the meetings. And because of the fact that, you know, this great resignation that we have seen in the last year and a half, hiring for the right talent is the other aspect that's so important. And people know that, hey, I don't have to live in New York City or San Francisco. I can move to Billings, Montana and be just as productive. And, you know, and companies are saying, wow, this person is incredibly talented. So it's really, you know, they're hiring for talent and accommodating. So how do you maximize on those types of meetings that are hybrid? And again, it comes down to technology and the policy and expectations of Uh, Giving people flexibility and 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 then being inclusive, you know, in those meetings and saying, "Hey, so and so, you know, what do you think about this?" Um, Because what you're also dealing with is different personality traits, and you've got introverts, and it's much easier for an introverted individual to hide behind the camera, right, behind the screen, versus someone who natural will be outspoken, whether they're on screen or in person, right? It's got to be a great partnership between technology and policy.
0: Yeah, that's a really important point. I think, you know, and we've talked about the leadership aspect of it a lot and how it really does come down to the leaders and managers to make sure to incorporate the remote people. And it, it does sound like there are some tech solutions, you know, having uh, good screens, having good audio. It seems like what you're saying is the technology can't solve all of the problems there. You do need, you know, the people solution to.
1: Exactly. And, and, in the pilots, um, some of the things we're seeing is uh, back to mobile monitors so that when you have a smaller huddle room, maybe it's not fully enclosed with walls or gla- uh, glass walls, you can move that monitor to a, a corner or a perch, you know, in an area where you've got two or three people and you're having a collaborative type of conversation or meeting with with a colleague that maybe isn't on the on the other side of the world. But you're able to have them on board, you know, instead of having the small monitor or laptop, you've got this larger screen. And so we're seeing the development of a lot of mobile devices to create that flexibility.
0: One thing that has come kind of to the forefront in the last two years, especially, is how in many cases, remote work has been more accommodating for people with disabilities. Are there any accessibility or inclusive design trends for in-office work that you've
1: been seeing? Yes, some of the easier ones, I would say, lighting affects uh, folks. Um, so we're seeing that change in lighting, but also the seating type and not just expecting everybody to be at a table. And if you're perhaps, you know, in, in a wheelchair or have different uh, disabilities is creating different seating types uh, to accommodate that. Also audio, you know, we're seeing this big growth, um, of different types of audio, making sure that everybody can hear it. I think there's a big push you know, on accessibility uh, in terms of the work that's being presented on screen and what that looks like, the coloring so that folks that maybe have a vision impairment can actually assess the meeting and participate. So there's different ways and areas that are growing that we're seeing for that more equitable uh, environment or access to a more equitable hybrid uh, environment. And it's in due time because for so long, we thought that it was just one size fits all for people. And we know that people have different ways of learning. There's different ways of absorbing information and different ways of collaborating.
0: i so I have a feeling that a lot of people listening are thinking, these sound really great. I'd love to be able to totally redesign my office and reconfigure it in all of these ways, but I'm a smaller company and we don't have the budget to totally redesign. Are there easier, smaller solutions that that smaller companies can do to redesign their office or or reconfigure their office that stop short of total, you know, pilot testing and, and complete redesign?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because right now with the uh, supply chain issues and the labor issues, which is affecting the supply chain, um, you know, we're having to think differently on how we approach these pilots to make them happen a lot faster. And so, when it comes to how do we create those environments with smaller companies, I think where it's at, it's really thinking on your furniture solutions instead of having to cut down an entire, you know, wall and uh, areas is really thinking about what is the furniture solution? Where's the technology being placed? And then maybe you don't have to go all the way with the lighting, you know, maybe you turn off the the lights above and maybe you bring a lamp in, you know, uh, creating that sort of home solution. Again, it's creating, it's thinking outside the box in terms of the layouts, you know, where, you used to have a conference room where you have a conference room for eight folks or six folks sitting at the table. Maybe take away that table and create, bring in a couple of chairs and different seating types, you know, and maybe some tape, smaller tables where people can put their laptop and collaborate. So it doesn't have to necessarily go for the latest, you know, furniture trends or, uh, the latest, uh, Finishes or materiality that that place uh, that the office uh, has to have, um, and just thinking differently outside the box of what feels comfortable, what feels more like a home environment, um, and combining it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you know the the last time you and I spoke, you had an idea that I I loved, which was you know kind of giving up the corner office that had belonged to the executives and giving it up to to have a conference room or a huddle space that has that natural light. I mean, I think the old way of thinking that when you, you're at the top of the ladder, you get the, you're the one with privacy and and natural light. Yeah. Like making that accessible to everybody. And like, you know, if your C-suite is also working hybrid, do they really need that corner office?
1: For law firms, we're seeing a, a big departure of that, uh, you know, the main partner having that corner office when we're seeing them migrate to more of the middle of the space, uh, you know, window line still. But um, given that corner, you know, to employees for a huddle room or a meeting room, and so it does become more democratic and now they have excellent views and it'll get utilized more often than a partner that has this, you know, wonderful leather couch and, you know, fancy furniture in there and it gets used maybe one or two hours a day. So it's, it's really thinking, how do we make the space more usable and more democratic for the workforce and um, maximize on the space, right? maximizing maximize in the views, maximize on the access to daylighting, uh, natural light, and given them the space, again, it's that human centric approach. Uh, human-centric experience that we see happening more and more. We've talked on the show before about the purpose of coming
0: into the office and like rethinking what the purpose is and, you know, that it should be more for collaboration and and relationship building. And then this kind of takes it a little bit of a step further and making the office a place that you actually want to come to. Nana, thank you so much for being here. This is such a great conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And we want to hear from you. If you could change anything about your office, what would it be and how would it better suit The Way We Work now? Email us at podcast at or tweet us with the hashtag The New Way We Work. The New Way We Work was produced by Joshua Christensen with editing by Nicholas Torres.